0: Hey, New Life Gillette Church! We are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com? Here is this week's teaching. Good morning. Did you thaw out? Y'all good? Everybody warm? Hey, let me say welcome to those of you who are watching online. Uh, I don't know if you staying home kept you warmer, but it's warm in here. We're okay. Uh, To the guys over at the prison, to our friends at the jail. I got a quick celebration. It's okay if we celebrate something real quick. You know, we had the Go offering at the end of 2023 and at Christmas Eve. And we set a really big goal of raising $45,000 to give away to our community and to different ministries. And uh, we raised... Fifty-five thousand dollars for the go offering this year. So, yes. Yeah, so that's a lot of good work being done. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for giving to the go offering. Also, the ladies' craft show did really well this year, and they they uh, do a lot to support different ladies' ministries in our town. So we're we're just celebrating how God is using your generosity and faithfulness to this. Uh, If you are a hospitality worker today, we just want to say thank you for coming. We appreciate you. We love you. And if this is not your normal habit to come to church, we would love for you to make this your home church and make this a normal part of your routine. When you came in today, did you notice the new walls out there? If not, you can turn around, feel free. Don't those look good? Uh, The wall over there on this side of that entrance is a next steps wall. If there's ever a next step you wanna take, join a life group, sign up to serve, give, get baptized, that kind of stuff. Now those things are easier to do. You just go over to that wall, and you can scan the QR code and sign up right there. There's also an iPad on the wall that you can just do it if you don't wanna use your own phone uh, and get signed up. And then on this wall over there, we have a new lives wall. And what that is is every time somebody in 2024 makes a first time commitment to follow Christ, we are going to put a brand on that wall and it smells awesome in here like that whole day. Uh, Tracy built this cool wall and and made the brand and it like flames up more than we thought we would when he brands that wood and it's really cool to watch. We're gonna try to get it on video next time because it's really cool. Uh, But did you notice there's some brands on there? Yeah, so we're getting started. And we will continue on that mission of leading people to Jesus as much as we possibly can. Which brings me to today's message. We are in a series called Flex Seal. It's all about how God's grace can make us new. God's grace can seal us, can heal us, and make us new. I got a question for you How does somebody get saved? I'm going to ask you to say it out loud here for a minute. But what's the easiest, shortest way? How can somebody become a Christian? What do they do? Accept Jesus? Is that it? Willing? What else? Believe and receive, somebody said. The, The reality is, you can give a lot of different answers to this question and be right. Right? Because... You read scripture about how he says to be saved or to have eternal life or to 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 join God's family. And you get one verse that says, believe and you will be saved. You get another verse that says, believe and be baptized and you will be saved. Another verse says, repent and believe and you will be saved. Another verse says, have faith. One time Jesus was talking to a guy and he told him, sell all of your possessions and give them to the poor and then you will be saved. Like, wait a minute, that one's different. The other ones seem to at least have something in common. That one just seems different. When you watch the way that the apostles would tell people about Jesus, if they were talking to the Greeks, the Gentiles, they would talk about the resurrection, they would talk about how the res- you should put your faith in the resurrection of Jesus. If the apostles were talking to a Jew, they wouldn't focus on the resurrection. They would talk about the Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah because that's what they would have been looking for. I like escape rooms uh, a lot, a whole lot. And there's two different kinds of escape rooms. Some escape rooms are called linear escape rooms. And that's where you follow a certain path. You, you solve p- puzzles in a certain order. You open doors in a certain order. And then if you open them all correctly, then you can open the final door because you made it through all the other doors. It's a linear escape room. Then there's other escape rooms. They call them nonlinear escape rooms. That makes sense, right? A nonlinear escape room, there is one key to get you out the final door. And the key is either a physical key or a code or some kind of trick or something. But your your goal is to get that key. There's only one key to get out the final door, but there's a lot of different ways to get that final key. It's nonlinear. You can solve this puzzle, then this puzzle, or you could do it in the opposite order. or You can work on this and then work on that and then work on this. You do it in whatever order you want to. But if you complete all the different objectives, then you get the final key. And the final key is what you will get you out of the room. And that's my favorite kind of escape room. Like, let me figure this out. Let me, it's a challenge for me to do those escape rooms. And I absolutely love them. I think this is a lot like our relationship with God. And the reason why in Scripture you don't just get one prescription for how you get saved is because God is saying, yes, there is only one key to heaven. There's only one way. Jesus is the only way to heaven. But the way that people begin a relationship with him can happen in many different ways. In other words, there is no formula to start a relationship with God. I remember as a high school, I used to try to memorize the prayer, the salvation prayer, that pastors would always lead us through in order to be saved. You know, I got saved every church every Sunday at church because I had sinned that week. So I needed to get saved again the next Sunday. And that was just kind of the routine. And I would try to memorize the pastor's prayer so that I could say it again on my own so I could be saved without having to follow him. Because I thought of this salvation prayer as like some kind of formula and if I got all the words in the right order and I did all the right things and I said the right things then I could be saved again but the reality is a relationship with God is much more like the relationships we have in this life most of you in this room started your relationship with your spouse or with your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever it is in different ways right it used to be you had to Somebody would, hey you, hey, you guys should get together. That's how people, it's like a recommendation. Now everybody meets on dating apps, it seems like. Maybe for you, it was uh, we were high school sweethearts, or you met at school, or you, you met at the bar, or whatever it is. Different people get into a relationship in different ways, and that's the way our relationship with God can start. All, all of us kind of take a different path to him. We we begin that relationship in different ways, but all the relationships start with a conversation. And that's why we call it a salvation prayer. That's a conversation. I'm starting a relationship with God by having a conversation, a prayer. I'm praying to him. Imagine if you had the opportunity to talk to all the people that were going to be in the World Trade Center on 9-11. Imagine on 9-10... September 10th, 2001, you had the opportunity to have all those people in a room like this, and you could say to them whatever you wanted to say. And you realized, they're all dying tomorrow, so I probably need to share the gospel message with them. I need to tell them about Jesus. What would you say to them? If you had to make it really short, what would be the succinct way that you would tell all those people how to be saved? Would you start with, listen, God has a great plan for your life. Nope, that's not where you would go. Nope, you, you, would, you would definitely not go there. The plan is very short for their lives, right? What about, would you tell them, listen, if you just stop sinning, your life will be better. Remove all that sin from your life, all those bad things you're doing, stop doing them. No, you wouldn't do that, right? That doesn't help them. That doesn't help them in their lives. How does stopping sinning doing anything? It doesn't do anything. Why? Because they're already guilty for the things they've already done. if If they stop sinning today, and then God judges them tomorrow, it doesn't matter. They're still guilty for everything they already did. What if somebody murdered somebody and then appeared before the judge? and was like, listen, that's my past. That was all in my past. I I did that years ago. He said, I don't care, you're still guilty for it. I don't care if it's in your past or not, you're still guilty. This is the truth about salvation. We are all guilty. Whether we are actively sinning now, which we all are, whether we're actively sinning or not, we have sinned. We are guilty for that sin. The salvation message that you would share with those people that were going to die the next day in the World Trade Center would focus on their need to be forgiven. You would focus on the fact that their sin is going to cause them to suffer, to die in hell, unless Jesus dies in their place, unless somebody else takes the punishment that they deserve. You know, you can legally pay somebody else's traffic fine and get them off. If somebody else owns, owes a ticket, got a speeding ticket, you can go and you can pay their fine for them. And they're off the hook. This is salvation. Jesus paid our fine for us. He took the punishment that we deserved. And what was the punishment we deserved? Death. All throughout scripture. What sin requires... Whether you like it or not, whether it's logical or not, does not matter. The way God created our world is that the punishment for sin is death. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. and What was their punishment? Death. You deserve death. But the good news, the gospel message, is that Jesus took that punishment for you. And if you will put your faith in him, if you will believe in him, not in yourself, not in your ability to be good enough, if you will believe in him, he will save you and he will take your punishment for you. Ephesians says it this way, God saved you by his grace when you believed. So God did the work. You didn't do the work, but he did it for you when you believed. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. It's getting something that you did not earn, something you did not deserve. And grace will give you eternal life. When will he, if he give it to you? When you believe. When you believe that he is who he said he is. That he did what he said he would do and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Why? Why is it not a reward for our good works? Because then we would be the one worthy of praise. Then we would be the ones worthy of glory. If in your past you ever rejected Christianity, because you were taught that you needed to be good enough to deserve God's grace, and you said no to that, then you did not say no to Christianity at all. If that is the version of Christianity that you turned your back on because you didn't think you could be good enough, then you actually rejected the exact same thing that Jesus rejected. You rejected the exact same thing that the Bible rejected. Jesus spent all of his time here on earth fighting against that false version of Christianity that if you are good enough, you will go to heaven. That's not the way he set it up. So yes, run away from that version of Christianity because it's not Christianity. That's not what Jesus said. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Why do we do good things? Why do we behave well? Because that's who he created us to be. Because we were created into somebody with a new mission, with a new purpose to do the things that he called us to do. God created us. And then we sinned. We screwed up. So to fix the problem, God has offered to recreate us. To make us new. Why? So that we can do the things that he created us to do in the first place. Who knows what, what this is? What does this thing do? Do you still call it a drill if you got a screw bit in it? I don't know. It's still a drill. I think it's a drill. This is a battery-powered drill. I've used this now a lot more than I ever did before because of a big building project that we did here. And one thing that I've learned is that there's this switch on the drill and this switch right here tells the drill which direction to turn, right? You can screw in or you can screw out. And when I first started using one of these, it was really frustrating because it was never the right direction, right? You push it one way and then you go to screw in and then it just won't go in. And the good thing is after I'd been using this drill for a while, I realized, okay, I can do it without even thinking. Now without even thinking, I can tell you which one is which direction, but when I didn't know this, I would start drilling and I would go and I would be, what, what happens if you try to screw it in the wrong direction? The screw won't go in. It might make a little bit of dent. It might appear like I'm doing the right thing, but I'm not doing the right thing. I can just keep doing this forever and ever. See, the drill has two settings. One setting works. The other set setting does not work. If I make the drill go the right way, It's very easy. It does all the work for me. I almost have to do zero work. If I try to use the drill the wrong way, ouch, that's hot. If I try to use the drill the wrong way, all I get is a bunch of heat and smoke. It doesn't work because the drill was designed to work one way. You can try the other way, but it won't work. This is how our faith works. We have two different versions of faith or religion in our world. Almost all the religions of this world are the first version. Be good enough and you can go to heaven. That's what they all say. Even some of the fake versions of Christianity, that's what they say. Be good enough and you can go to heaven. Muslims, all, all the other religions, even just kind of the natural intuition that people have. Even people who don't follow a religion. That's just kind of what they assume. I just assume that if I'm good and there's a God, then he will pay me for my goodness. The problem is, the Bible says, ignore that temptation. Fight that temptation. Because that goodness will actually, in that case, take you to hell. Your goodness cannot achieve for you good or heaven. Your goodness can only achieve for you pride, and pride is the first thing that will take you to hell. So God says there is a right way, but the right way, the correct setting, is faith. You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ, and he will give you his grace. He will do what you cannot. You try to do it the wrong way, it won't work. You do it the right way, and it's so easy to do it God's way. Romans, Paul says in Romans, the law of Moses was unable to save us. Good works were unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Because we could not be good enough. We could not try hard enough. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. You know what the world says to this? You know what other religions say to this? What a cop out. That's too easy. All you gotta do is believe. What they say is that is really just you wanting to keep on sinning. You just want to take the easy way out. We're the righteous one, we work really hard. And to be honest with you, it is terrifying for me to think of all those other religions trying so hard, working so hard, sacrificing so much to get to heaven and it leading them the exact opposite direction. That's terrifying to me. That motivates me to shout the good news of God's grace more and more, yet our pride tells us, nope, it's too easy. I'm gonna go my way. And this is exactly what the Pharisees did with Jesus. They, They hated his version. They wanted to create his own version. Get this, the Pharisees judged God. They judged Jesus. They called him names. They criticized him. They thought they were better than him because of their goodness. They had obeyed so many of the laws but their pride had grown to a place that they thought they were good enough to earn salvation. And Jesus, the one who was actually perfect, because he did not brag about his perfection, did not brag about his good works, what did they say about Jesus? He's a sinner. Hanging out with tax collectors, hanging out with prostitutes, hanging out with drunkards. And they judged Jesus. What does the law give us? The law gives us a bunch of smoke and heat. And that's not heaven. There's a description in in scripture of a place that has a lot of smoke and heat, and it's not heaven. That's where the law leads us. So we do everything we can. So we are motivated to make sure that this world knows the way to truly be saved is to put your faith in Jesus. Isaiah says, when we display our righteous deeds, our good works, they are nothing but filthy rags. The literal translation of this is much more disgusting than filthy rags. You think your works make you good, but they don't. They just create pride, like Moses. Remember the story of Moses? Why did Moses not get to go into the promised land? When the Israelites were thirsty in the wilderness, they'd been wandering in the wilderness trying to get to the promised land. And they're thirsty, they start begging Moses, we need some water. And so God told Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, Speak, this is important. What does God tell him to do? He says, speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its water. Most of us would hear this and get really excited. God is going to use me? I get to participate in one of God's miracles? That sounds amazing. But God had done this quite a bit with Moses by this time. God had used Moses multiple times to perform miracles. And so Moses, having done some good works, had begun to build some pride. Had begun to believe that there was something special about him. And so the focus became less about what God was doing and more about what I, or Moses, was doing. He thought he was the source of the power. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Gather round. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Do you see the pride? Do you hear the vibrato in Moses' voice? You rebels, me good, you bad. Now is the point where God told Moses... Moses kind of added the whole ceremony here so far. He's putting on a show here. And God, remember, told him, now speak to the rock. But what did Moses do? He pulled out a magic wand. Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff and water gushed out. Like a magician with his wand, watch what I can do. Pride. Pride. So because of Moses' pride, God did not let Moses go into the promised land of Israel. Or did he? Does anybody know where Moses died? Mount Nebo. Where is Nebo? Mount Nebo is in Jordan. In other words, it's in the wilderness, outside the promised land Moses died. God said to Moses, you failed to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel there. So you will see the land from a distance, but you may not enter the land I am going or I'm giving to the people of Israel. My whole life, I've kind of concluded the story here. Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land because he had sinned in the wilderness. But there's more to the story Moses shows up in the story again, later. And the amazing thing is that God forgave even Moses. You remember the story of the Transfiguration? Jesus gathers some of his disciples and they go up on a mountain in the Promised Land this time. Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. We don't know exactly which mountain this happened on, but it was in Galilee. In Israel, in the promised land. And as the men watched, Jesus's appearance was transformed, so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. I mean. We don't have a description of what form they took. But it sure sounds like this is three dudes hanging out up on a mountain. Doesn't matter that these dudes died hundreds of years before. We're just hanging out and talking. And why is this moment possible? It's not because Moses had done anything great that this is possible. Now, the Bible does tell us that there was no one like Moses. He's the greatest of the prophets. So he's a pretty good guy. But it's not because of his goodness that he's there on the mountain with Jesus. It is because of Jesus's glory and Jesus's grace in this moment that has allowed his grace to extend even in the past, to credit even to Moses and to Elijah, credit faith even to Abraham as righteousness. His grace is that powerful. It is that good. It can even work retroactively. And Moses, who because sin was not allowed to enter the Promised Land, God's grace is able to extend back in time and make it possible for Moses to be forgiven. If you think, if you are ever tempted to think that your sins disqualify you from heaven, then you are wrong. They have not. You can. Be forgiven, Moses was forgiven, Moses entered the promised land, and so will you. You can be forgiven for whatever you have done. His grace is that big, his grace is that good. Because we can feel pretty guilty because the world has told us we have to be good enough. You can't be good enough. So you gotta lower your pride, and you gotta say, I can't do it. I need you, Jesus. So I wanna put on the full court press. When you came in today, you were given a card. Would you pull it out? It's a little card that has a couple options on there. And those of you who are watching online, you can go to connect.church307.com and do the same thing. I wanna make sure that nobody leaves this room and nobody turns off this broadcast without knowing, without a shadow of a doubt That God's grace has been extended to you. That you will stop believing in yourself. Stop having faith in yourself to be good enough and instead have faith in him that he is good enough to give you what you could not earn on your own. If today you are ready to make sure that that is true about you, would you please let us know that top box, you're making a decision to follow Christ, that you're putting your faith in him today. Don't put it off make it happen today. And how do relationships start? This is the beginning of a relationship, a relationship between you and God. How do relationships start? They start with a conversation. And there is no magic formula of words that you can say in order to start the relationship correctly. He's God, he can take care of this. So pray, have a conversation with God. You can say something like, God, I trust you. I put my faith in you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving me. Forgive me for the sins that I have committed. I want to spend my life in eternity with you. However you want to say it, whatever you want to say, have a conversation with him. The prescription of go and sell everything you have that he said to the rich man was not because selling everything you have is what saves you. It was the way by which Jesus was saying, I want you to show show me that you really are putting your faith in me and not in your wealth, not in yourself. Surrender to me. And then there's another box on that card that I want to invite you. Those of you who have already put your faith in God. When God does save us, he says that he makes us new and he gives us a purpose. When God saves us, he makes it so that we are able to do good works that we could not have done before. Namely, the good work that he has called us to is to be on a mission to share our faith with other peoples, to tell other people, because you don't know if they're gonna die tomorrow or not, to tell other people about God's grace, to make sure that nobody is pointlessly trying to earn their way to heaven. And so if you are a Christian today, my invitation is to please get on mission. You know somebody who is not heaven bound. You know somebody who's trying to do it the wrong way. Tell them about God's grace. Tell them about God's love. So we're about to dismiss, but the invitation is, would you take that uh, card and write the name of somebody that you're going to share your faith with? Like, be intentional about it. Think about it. I think if you just say an abstract, oh, yeah, I'm going to start sharing my faith more, it just is forgotten once you walk out that door. So pick a name. Pick a person. Come up with a strategy. How are you going to share your faith with them? How are you going to tell them that Jesus loves them? And write a name on that card. And then, Sarah, could we get somebody at the back to hold a bucket or something? I'd love it as, as everybody's leaving, if you would take that card as you leave today and just drop the card because we want to look at the names on that card and we want to pray for those people. As you're sharing your faith with them, we want to pray that the Holy Spirit will open their heart to hear the good news that you're sharing with them. So our, our staff is going to get together today, read the names on the cards that you uh, right, and then we're going to pray over them, and we're going to go get them. We're going to be strategic. We're going to go out and be the people that God created us to be. Also, before I uh, finish, and I'm going to pray here in a second, but I want to tell you, come to church next Sunday. Chad Sheehan is going to preach, and um, he preached his message for the staff this week. Number one, hilarious. Did you know he used to be a stand-up comedian? Well, he is a stand-up it, it was hilarious. It was awesome. And it was powerful. Make sure you are here next Sunday for church. And it would be a great service for you to bring that person that you're writing on the card today and get them here for church. God, I love you and I thank you for your grace. I thank you for, that you did what I could never do. I thank you that you have revealed to us that we cannot save ourselves and we all know it. We've tried hard, but we know we are not good enough. So we put our faith in you. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.